Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. Hey, Asher, how's your week been? My week's been pretty good. It's been very occupied by the thought that I don't understand how people purchase vehicles. And it's kind of the most amazing thing about owning a car is that people have one at all because every most majority of adults in Texas especially own a car, but no one seems to know how they bought it. I Yeah, go on. Are you are you in the process of potentially purchasing a new car? I want to be. I want help and I can't seem to get it. I don't know, like it's an extremely difficult thing to do apparently. I have owned the car that I have now. I haven't made a payment on this vehicle in 7 years but I'm in the market for a new car because you, Jackson, with your ape strength, ripped the handle off of my vehicle. True story. And now I need a new car. That's not the only reason I need a new vehicle, but that's one of the several issues that has piled up over the years. Uh, I I do still feel bad about that. I know, that's why I brought it up. I did the same thing on my driver's side as well. They just popped clean off. Now the AC is out, and it's the problem with the compressor, and fixing that is probably going to be a greater payment than the car is worth. So it's time for a new one, but no one can freaking help me, because apparently everyone just wakes up and there's a new car in their parking lot, and they owe someone who wears a cowboy hat, unironically, $20,000. I think that's the only reason you can wear a cowboy hat, unironically. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely the... It's definitely like the number one profession for people who wear cowboy hats is selling used vehicles. It's definitely not being actual cowboys, that's for sure. And I just speaking don't of- walk into a dealership without having a plan because I feel like that's when you leave wearing nothing but a barrel. You just get taken for everything that you have. I need a game plan and I'm afraid. I'm frightened, okay? I would be too. I Speaking of cowboy hats, we were just at the grocery store a little while ago and I saw a family of three who were probably all in their 60s, 70s maybe, and they were all wearing different straw cowboy hats, and it was incredible. I like that. It was a very specific brand for a family, but I like it a lot. That's just a big old smile on my face. That's just a pleasant visual. I like that. Um, Speaking of owning vehicles, would you like to know what today's topic is? Yes. Today's topic is about how the sinking of the Titanic was bullshit. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Uh, our formal title for today's topic will be that, t- that the Titanic sinking was planned. So there are a lot of good sources for this, but I found a website called The Unredacted, and I haven't done a ton of research into their website, but I think they may have a big focus on conspiracy theories, so I would recommend us using them again in the future. And so most of today's knowledge comes from that. There's got to be a lot of pop punk bands that are really mad that they're sitting on that URL. The unredacted has to be at least five different bands in Portland. I would imagine, though, like, I'm sure a lot of bands, when they first started, people said stuff like, you're really going to call yourself the Beatles? But I don't think the unredacted is a name of a, is a solid band name. Yeah, but when, you know the, Beatles I mean? were, when the Beatles were making music, there was only about 14 or 15 rock bands in existence. Okay, but nowadays, if somebody comes up with a band name, and it's the unredacted, I don't think I'm going to give them a shot. Okay. What? I mean, there are some excellent band names, like Five Finger Death Punch. We could definitely spend the entire episode just listing off really good band names. And I'm not going to argue that the unredacted 
is not a particularly great one. But what do they say about the Titanic specifically? Uh, I don't know what the punk band says about the Titanic specifically, but the website, The Unredacted, talks about the how the sinking was planned. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory. A year before the Titanic set sail, the same shipyard sent out a ship named the Olympic that had two serious collisions that caused serious structural damage to the ship. The shipyard line, White Star Line, reported it being damaged, but a lot of people thought it was way worse However, the reported damages were still much more than the company could afford. From there, supposedly, the whole um, sinking plan was an insurance scam. What they had done is they had taken the body of this broken ship, the Olympic, and renamed it the Titanic, which... So, that, so let me explain it as simply as I can. There are two ships, right? Yes. One ship sails out before the other one, gets in a couple accidents, and has some kind of shoddy repairs. That is the So Olympic. they claim it's nothing more than a boat fender bender, but the, this uh, conspiracy is saying, no, it was a lot more serious than they reported. That's not really the conspiracy theory. That's the general consensus at this point. Okay, gotcha. Is that this boat had bad stuff going on. Oh, okay. On the All right. interior. So, so that's yeah. not even part of the mystery. That's agreed upon. That's agreed upon. And so they have this boat, the Olympic, and this boat, the Titanic, and a third boat that's... Not really relevant. Um, we can name him like Derek or something. But the, the, so the Olympic that had been in these accidents, what they ended up doing is they ended up taking the signage and like ligature stuff from the Titanic and putting it on the Olympic, sending it out to sea and having it intentionally crash so they could get insurance claim money to quote unquote repair it. The ship that was already broken. Wow, so these boats, I didn't realize these are effectively identical ships, right? The Olympic, well, Titanic, and the third were all the exact same make? So they were all made by the same shipping company. Okay. But I or, thought the Titanic was like the largest vessel that's like, the, the largest passenger vessel that had set sea at that time or something like that. It was very important at that time. I think it was close to that, but it was actually a little bit smaller than the Olympic. Oh, Wow, okay. Um, yeah. Most of this comes from a book by Robert Gardner in 1998 titled Titanic, The Ship That Never Sank. Um, but there's Titanic, kind of... it was bullshit, Jackson Gressley. <laughs> there's kind of a decent amount of evidence for this case that's just interesting to me. And what's nice is we're going to get to learn some nautical terms, which is an opportunity I like to never try and pass up. I'm already waiting with bated breath for poop deck. Well, you said baited breath, which is a nautical term. Uh, so first really? of all, no, but the word bait has to do with sea. So the first <laughs> part, um, the first part of it was the portholes. That's the first element of evidence. While the ships were mostly the same structure, one of the things that's always pointed out is that they had a different numbers of portholes. The Titanic had 14 and the Olympic had two more. However, when they were taking photos of the Titanic, quote unquote, the Titanic at sea, it had 16 portholes, the number the Olympic had in... Really? Yeah. That is interesting. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so one term that I learned while I was doing this research is list to port. And so this is the Wikipedia description. The angle of list is the degree to which a vessel heels, which means leans or tilts, to either port or starboard. A listing vessel is stable and at equilibrium, um, but the distribution of weight aboard 
often caused by uneven loading or flooding, causes it to heel to one side. So the, Olymp uh, the Olympic had a noticeable list of port, which means that it was leaning a little bit to port. I think it was exactly two degrees to port. While the Titanic never had that. But one of the passengers who survived, Lawrence Beasley, who was a science teacher that actually wrote a book about the disaster, said that she was sure that there was a list to port. I mean, all this would take to test is to put a marble down, right? Because if it's, if it's correctly balanced, it's going to stay still. And if it's always leaning one way or the other, it's just going to roll. I love, love, love your brain here and what you're thinking here. But I think that no matter where I am, if I put a marble down, it's going to roll. Maybe. I mean, definitely on the floor I'm at right now, maybe not outside on our gravel road, but on a boat, it's definitely gonna roll. That's true. I guess there's enough motion back and forth anyway that you're not, that it's always gonna be rolling around slightly. But I mean, is everyone on board? Do they feel like everything is leaning to the left? Or is this something that would be really difficult to notice? Because It's something that would be very difficult to notice because think about two degrees. That's um, that's a 45th of the way to like completely the boat is sideways. That's a very, very small amount of... Gotcha. And so it's noticeable, but I would... I would dare to wager that your home is probably at least one degrees tilted. So this this physical evidence isn't nearly as good as the portholes one for me, but it's still because I, I imagine that Lawrence Beasley, who was the science teacher, probably didn't have a ton of good memories of the ship, if you know what I mean. Sure. Cons considering she's one of the survivors of it. But the next thing is the crew rumors. Despite all the fanfare and hype surrounding its launch, I imagine it was... It was a big launch, some, probably something to do with it being one of the bigger um, ships on at sea at that point, if not the biggest. Despite all of the fanfare, the ship was only half booked when it left. I did and not know this, embarrassingly. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of the crew believed that this could be because they planned on scuttling the ship, which is another good nautical term, and it does not just mean the way that crabs walk. So what's scuttle really mean? It means to sink one's own ship deliberately by holing it up or opening its seacocks to let water in. Okay, so this is something that happens a lot? I don't know if it happens a lot, but it's definitely a word. Uh, I think it might just be an expression. Well, it's doing it deliberately. We're just going to gloss right on over the word seacocks. So this is just, at what point would you ever want to sink your own ship before the existence of insurance scams? Um, Piracy, maybe? I guess. Maybe if, if your ship has been taken over by pirates, you'll knock it over? Okay, so this is always a negative thing. It's not like, Captain, we're scheduled to scuttle the ship. Like, that's you're always blowing it when the ship is being scuttled. Yeah, um, unless it's in the crab sense, where a bunch of crabs are carrying it, like in the second or third Pirates of the Caribbean. I was but, really going to do it the best I could not to mention Pirates of the Caribbean. But now that you have, let's go ahead and talk about pi No, I'm just kidding. I, I, but yeah, so essentially, scuttling your ship just means I want to put a big hole in this hunk. So the, those rumors came along with some last-minute cancellations. The financier who owned the parrot company of White Star, the shipping company, was supposed to travel on the ship but canceled a few days before, claiming he was sick, but it ended up that he was just having an affair. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, a group of other people bailed out with him last minute as well, and they were parts of his inner circle that were supposed to be on the ship. And so that part... So the idea is, is that they knew, 
and they were backing yeah. out because they didn't want to be on board. Well, so the idea about the uh, the idea about it being half booked was that White Star supposedly did that on purpose. So they didn't they wanted to book it as much as they felt they needed to for press purposes for it to sound realistic, but then they also wanted to make sure that they weren't um, dealing with that that much. And they also actually tried to send another ship to go kind of save them that had left earlier, but that ship ended up dealing with some unforeseen weather stuff and wasn't able to meet up with them. And so most people don't think they're connected, but it's the same company that sent out this other ship. Really? The rescue boat was the same company? Yeah. So then the so idea... It, oh, that's crazy. So the idea is that they didn't even intend to kill anyone. They just right. wanted to sink this boat. To, to minimize the risk, they had as few people aboard as possible. And then once it did sink, they would send out rescue team and everyone would be saved. Suddenly they're heroes for saving everyone and they collect the insurance. Yes. So that, that boat was called the SS Californian, and it was a large passenger ship that was kind of blamed for the loss of life. Um, because, so apparently Edith Russell, one of the survivors, was adamant that Titanic officers assured her that the Californian was on its way. Apparently it stopped in the wrong area, like 12 miles away from where the Titanic crashed, which seems insanely close. Is there any sort of feud against the idea of the Titanic striking an iceberg? Or is that, is that still believed to be the main way that it, that it like, was it intentionally by the um, White Star Line? So was it intentionally rammed into an iceberg by the White Star Line? Or was it busted up enough that they knew it was just going to sink eventually anyway? So I think that it was probably that they intentionally hit it on something big like that. And I imagine that they went in that or had that area in mind. Because that area had multiple, um, what is it? Multiple icebergs. It wasn't just like one one homie floating around. True. And so I imagine that they probably thought, yes, there's a good chance we can get this boat to fall, but we should probably guarantee it for insurance sake. Sure. So, um, and then the last thing that's evidence for is the discovered boat had the stamp 401, which was the Titanic's ID number on the propeller. But some authors have suggested that the Titanic's propeller was actually fitted to the Olympic during its repair. That that part's not even um, part of the theory. So the stamp 401 was originally supposed to be what verified that it was indeed the original Titanic, but instead it doesn't help at all because they switched out the propeller anyway. Right. The ship also has the letters M and P on the side. Um... And the wreck shows evidence of gray paint, which was used as an undercoat on the Olympic while the Titanic used black paint as an no undercoat. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. And so the M and P is interesting because the word Titanic doesn't have an M or P, but Olympic does. And while they would have covered that up with the word Titanic when they framed it as the Titanic, they probably wouldn't have scraped off the M and P, or the Olympic, I guess. So when they're making the switch, how difficult is this switch? Because... Do they literally just have to paint over the word Olympic and paint the word Titanic on there? Because if that's all it takes to make the switch, I can see someone getting some ideas. So I don't think the switch is the craziest part of this crash, but it is the biggest argument for the crash, if that makes sense. Well, it's there one of the craziest parts to me because if there's truly there's a different number of portholes, 
how, I want to know how similar these ships were that you, just a name change could have been enough to fool so many people. Of course, the people aboard may not have known one way or another. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that probably the people on board didn't see these ships being built in the shipyard or being stored in the shipyard very much. They just knew about them from advertising and stuff, right? Yeah, it's just a big, impressive boat called the Titanic, which is what they signed up for. Yeah, and so... Um, before we dive into questions or anything, I want to give you a couple pieces of evidence against that are all right, and then one piece of evidence against that is very good. Uh, there's a couple small things. The, rep, the wreck showed a lot of places where 401 is stamped, and it would be really tedious to mark all of the places it was stamped and mark out what the Olympic was, if that makes sense. Okay, so it's more than just the name on the side of the boat. There's a lot of individual 401. Yes. Apparently, the ships were also more different than the theorists like to com- uh, to claim as well. And so maybe then, it would have been more obvious to bystanders that, that there was different boats. Yes. And then the last thing is that the Olympics sailed for another 23 years, and nobody noticed anything, any discrepancies from pre-Titanic. Who gets on that boat, though? Isn't that what what kind of PR spin do you have to get anyone on board the Olympic after that the Titanic goes down? Uh, I don't know actually. In so it was mostly used in world in uh, World War Two. Oh, okay, actually. that makes sense. That makes sense. So it was used in World War Two for a while, and then after that they retired it in uh, 1935. Um, oh no, World War One. I. I misspoke and forgot how time works. But yeah, it was retired in 1935. But the biggest problem for me with this theory, other than killing 1,500 people, is that is the reputation. As good as it would be to be able to cash in on that hella huge Geico check, (laughs) it looks pretty bad to have a huge ocean liner with this many people crash like this. That's a good point. Because like I just said, like if if you are the company that makes this ship and your ship goes down that's kind of it for your business huh that's really not how did white star line do other than having ships for military use that were already constructed i'm curious how that business held up after titanic i feel like this would be such a public disaster for them especially because i've never heard of the olympic until i started doing this research and i've heard a ton about the titanic sure and I feel like a company that is focused on shipping and shipping advert or like not shipping, but uh, cruises and stuff and advertising cruises should think a little bit better about how they come up with insurance money. Yeah, that's a good point because it's not just a cruise line like uh, Sandals or whatever that owns a ship that's made by another company. This is the company that is making these ships. And they're not, so then they're not distanced from the failure, right? So if they, if it fails, that reflects directly on them. So I see what you're saying. I hadn't even considered that. I think it's important to note though, that does bring us to another point. I, I think they would have wanted it to actually crash into something instead of falling into the sea. Well, where else does it have to go, Jackson? It's in the ocean. No, no. Instead of just falling into the sea. Okay. Because I think they would need it to be not the ship's fault, but the captain and the crew's fault. Oh, that makes sense. Because if it's just falling into the sea, it could be anybody's fault. Right. If it does just spring a leak... It would probably be White Star's fault, right? 
But if it's the negligence of the crew that sends it careening into an iceberg, then it's not White Star's fault, is it? No, it's not. And so I think to answer your earlier question, it has to be intentional like that. Or it has to be intentional that they crashed it instead of sinking it. That makes sense. So I have a couple small questions, uh, but I'm sure you probably have other questions too. So let's dive in. How would you feel if you survived this and went through the traumatic experience of a crash and found out later that it was a hoax? Well, not a hoax because it did happen. Like, it's not like the Titanic sinking isn't bullshit because it didn't sink. It did sink. But I see what you're saying. Like, it, like it, was, it was intentional conspiracy. And also, we're, what we're saying isn't that the Titanic sank. We're saying the Olympic sank. Oh, that's true. Yes, right. To be clear, I guess so I wouldn't Titan- be a conspiracy supporter because I wouldn't want to feel like I had been duped, you know? Like, yeah. if I had gone through that trauma, I really want to feel like it was a lot of freak accidents compiling together and creating a larger freak accident. Yeah, I would want to... Yeah, I completely agree. Because I don't feel like... They, I mean, they cite some of the, the survivors as evidence... I don't believe that any of them donned the tinfoil hat at any point, do you? No, I don't. I don't think... I think that some of them may have had arguments that justified it a little bit. Like the way... Uh, uh, what was their name? Like the way uh, Lawrence Beasley said that it listed deport. Right, but I she probably I, wasn't using that as evidence, right? She was probably just... Min- like Someone may have even brought that up to her. Uh, yeah, I don't think she just said that uh, out of the blue. Sure. So that to me might actually be the nail in the coffin is that the survivors didn't seem to believe that there had been anything nefarious and intentional. Certainly tragic, but not conspiracy. I think it would also be that you would, in a huge accident like that anyways, already be pissed at the crew and the captain as well, right? Yeah, I I don't understand how you're not just angry at the whole situation. And so I, yeah. I, but it would be very, very easy for you to then blame the captain and the crew instead of blaming the liner that did this. I was also trying to reason out why they would actually need to switch ships to do this. And it was because the Titanic hadn't been sailed before. So this was the perfect opportunity to prove, and it wouldn't have been the ship's problem because it hadn't been in any accidents or anything. Hmm. Interesting. So that's why they couldn't have had the Olympic go out on this mission because... Oh, because everyone had known it already had that, tr- that f- trouble before. And they're like, well, you guys didn't fix it too well, did you? So they needed to have a brand new ship that threw and, the negligence through crashed and sunk. And so I think a part of that was kind of like they were beta testing the formula to then have the Titanic be their, their big like flagship, literally. But they... Um, well, the I Olympic have a very been, important question. Okay. If this was a conspiracy, did it work? Did White Star actually get to cash out? Did they get any money out of this? So I don't think that they did because of the... Um, well, so I think they did get to cash out on it. I don't think that it would have paid off entirely because they definitely got to repair their other ship. But they also lost an entire ship. Right. I don't, Plus they I don't lost think the lo- that, that the payout covers nearly what they lost. Plus, they lost an entire, um, they lost 1,500 people as well. Their rescue mission didn't work. Yeah, but you know that the conspirators behind this are all just big, fat, monopoly men. Then they don't, they don't give a darn tootin'. They're just puffing on their cigars, and they're like, 
lighten their cigars with $100 bills that are on fire. I mean, that, that's when you think of someone who does an insurance scam around the Titanic, that's definitely the picture that comes to my mind. Yeah, like a like an actual Monopoly man with a cigar with a money symbol printed on it. Exactly. Yeah. I also had one uh, more serious question. Do you think the name the Olympic would have worked as well for marketing as the name the Titanic does? Like when I think of the story, the Titanic, do you think you would think of it as well if it was the Olympic? And do you think Leonardo DiCaprio would still sign up for the film if it had that name? <laughs> I mean, it's it's completely unique. I have not heard the name Titanic related to anything else. So Olympic, you know, there's the Olympics, Olympia, but the, the Titanic, I only associate with the ship. So it definitely works well as branding, but I think either one would have been just as infamous for the situation, yeah. It, it is nice to have the the iconic elements of the Titanic because Olympic, there are, your, as you were saying, a bunch of different situations you could use that beyond giant ship crashes. Uh, but yeah. Because I mean, now that the name Titanic is just associated with failure. Because when you name, if I were to create, if I, if I built my own boat and named it the Titanic, everyone would just tell me that I was asking for it. But at the time, it was just a name. Like, it wasn't It wasn't so synonymous with failure. It was just a cool name that meant really big. In Greek. Yeah, well, that's all I have. Uh, I don't know where I stand on this one, but I think I might believe that at least the boats were switched. I actually might be in the opposite position of you, because I think it. there is a chance that it could have been intentional. But I don't think anyone would have missed the boats being switched. I think someone would have caught on. I think there's too many passengers to to pull the old switcheroo with uh, the sticker on the side. So you think that what happened is they actually did sink the actual Titanic on purpose to pay for the repairs of the Olympic? I think that is actually possible. Much more possible than I thought at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, well, I mean, at the beginning of this episode, you didn't know why they were going to be... Why they could have even been needing that money. That's a good point. Well, I don't want to take any boats anytime soon, but uh, we better hop on the stagecoach because it's the last one leaving to Debunk Town. Do we have to go to Debunk Town today? We have to go! The next stagecoach doesn't come until January. Of 2023! (laughs) Yeah! Whip sounds! Very bad horse sound, and we're here in Debunk Town. Were you using an actual drum for that? I was just hitting the desk in front of me, but I did do a very good job. Thanks for noticing. I'm impressed, yeah. Well, it's it's nice here in Debunk Town. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and step into the saloon because it's pretty hot. There is not a single cloud in the sky. Oh, wait! Yes, there is, but this cloud's looking kind of strange. It's just one long trail. I wonder who put that there. Today we're talking about Kim Trails in Debunk Town. Something that sounds a lot more serious than it actually is. So Kim Trails, and this is very popular in the South especially, is actually one of the largest conspiracy theories there is because an estimated 17% of people globally believe that this theory is tr- partly true. So Kim Trails is the idea that when you see a plane fly over and there's those long skinny clouds that follow behind it, those are actually full of chemicals and biological agents. And the government's putting it there and essentially crop dusting all of us with aluminum, barium, strontium, and other chemicals that we don't want in our bodies. I believe that my cousin's profile picture, or uh, cover photo on Facebook, 
is just poorly done graffiti on a fence that says, the chemtrails are making the frogs gay. <laughs> but that's because no one really knows what the chemtrails are supposed to be doing. So there's SLAP, all right? S-L-A-P, the secret large-scale atmospheric program is what is believed to be going on. The United States government, and I guess apparently governments all over the world, are using atmospheric chemists and geochemists to spray us with chemicals and they're, yeah, like I said before, crop dusting us behind planes, both commercial and military. So whenever you see a long trail behind a plane, that doesn't get there naturally. That is full of chemicals that we're now breathing in. But mm. the thing is, they might as well be making the frogs gay because no one really knows what it's supposed to be doing. It's just, I suppose, a convenient vehicle for the government to be using. This is kind of like the Florida, the Florida, the, the, uh, the fluoride, Florida man. The Florida man episode. The fluoride episode. Except that makes a lot more sense than this does. Because we already know exactly what a chemtrail is. It's a contrail, which is just water. It's just a cloud. And that's why this is... It, it, this is why I'm, I'm so animated about this. Because I thought, by the scary name, that this would be a much scarier... I thought this would be a very dark hole to go down in the internet. Turns out it's well, just that's... really stupid. That's entirely marketing. It's entirely marketing. We're not to take not, it to a... Go on. We're definitely not applying Arkham's razor here, or Occam's razor, whatever it's called, because there's a very, very simple explanation for it. And to me, what's extra crazy is that when you see a vapor trail of, of condensation behind a plane, how do you look at... How is that what's weird? There is a hulking piece of metal carrying passengers traveling 600 miles an hour suspended in the air and the trail behind it is not the weird part i promise the miracle of flight should be so distracting that you don't have time to theorize about water vapor yeah but this is just that level of this is where conspiracy theories dip out of being fun and what we try to avoid is that it's just fueled entirely by rampant paranoia. This is just looking for ways that the government or lizard people can be screwing you over and then just finding what you think would be a convenient vehicle to do so. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm satisfied. I wouldn't mind getting somewhere where it's a little less sunny. Yeah, I'd rather go back to where I'm only looking for bunnies and lions in the clouds and not looking for barium or aluminum. So let's go back to the big city. Yeah, let's hop back in the stagecoach. I'm going to let you take over the horse sounds because I did not do well on those. Oh my god, that's nice. Oh, that's your job now. That's really good. That's all I got. I don't know if that sounded good or anything, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, do we want to tell the people what's up? Here's what's up in the big city. There's a concert coming up. Actually, I wish there was. I would love to listen to Glenn Merle in concert. He wrote our theme song, Threadbare, off the album Burden of Proof. Thanks to him for letting us use that track. We love it, and so does everyone who listens. And uh, yeah, check out his music, glimrollmusic.com, Spotify, iTunes, any place you can get music. Yeah, and then if you want to get in contact with us or follow us on social media, our Instagram is Strictly Confidential Show, our Twitter is S Confidential Show, and our email is Strictly Confidential Show at gmail.com. We have uh, some listeners to thank, don't we? Yeah, uh, big, big shout out to CPZ. Thanks for taking care of those animals for us over in Waco Town. Really appreciate it. And if you have a best friend, and I hope you do, why don't you tell them to listen to Strictly Confidential? Because they probably have similar tastes to you, and we would love to have them on board. 
Yeah, you guys have no idea how much that just word of mouth helps. Um, and for Seriously. people who are not as enlightened as Asher is, CPZ stands for Cameron Park Zoo. Woo-woo! Because for some reason, the Cameron Park Zoo has our biggest listening community, which I'm not upset about, but it is incredible to me. It's 100% because the reptiles don't complain. Okay, so that's all we've got. As always, stay curious. Hey, Jeremy, get M. Night Shyamalan on the phone. I've had a crazy day. Ha 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 ha.